I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about a topic that a lot of runners are curious about, but not a lot of people talk about. We are going to be discussing why some athletes never reach their full potential and what sets apart these athletes that break through and reach very high levels in their running. Have you ever wondered why some athletes are better than others? Why does it seem like some people have more natural ability? Is more natural talent or genetics or is it hard work that sets these athletes apart? Today we wanted to chat about this topic and uncover what we see as coaches. Um, We've been run coaching for, Jason has been coaching for 12 years and I have been coaching athletes for seven years. And there are some patterns that we recognize. And a lot of the times people want to know, how can I be that person that shaves an hour off my marathon? How can I be that person that went from a smoker to a Boston qualifier? How can I be that person that totally changes my life and becomes an athlete um, and really reaches a high level with my training? And so we wanted to talk about the common things that we see in athletes who really do reach that next level. And we want to talk Talk about the topic of how fast can you become with your potential and how much of that is natural talent. And I do find this conversation to be rather interesting because Jason has been running since he was 12 years old and now he is in his late 30s or mid 30s and he might admit that some of his running that he has done is a lot of natural talent, but then there has to be that hard work that is coupled with running in order to actually reach your potential. So Jason, talk to me a little bit about your running background and what um, what sort of things you think played a role in your success as, as an athlete, because I know you have had a mile PR of 414, which is relatively fast. I mean, it's not like you were, you know, the fastest person by any means, but someone who's reached that level, what sort of things do you think have played into your success as a runner? Yeah, I think my, you know, background is probably different than most adult runners. Um, Just, you know, most adult runners, I think at races, a lot of them don't have a background in cross country and track growing up. You know, they start running later in adulthood, Um, for various reasons and that's kind of their go-to form of exercise and they find that it's a good way to challenge themselves 
Um, me, I kind of discovered, you know, back as a kid, I wasn't super talented in the team sports, um, but in FIAD class, I was one of the faster kids in the presidential fitness test for the miles. So um, I did track in sixth grade, I think was the first year it was offered. And then um, seventh and eighth grade as well. And then when I got to high school, I'd learned out what cross country was. And so, you know, each year I was training for about, you know, three months and training at that level as a kid, you know, who's 10, 11, 12 years old, it's not to extent, but at least you're out there running a mile to anywhere from one to three miles total. And so, um, I think my childhood prior to that, I was always super active. So always out and about in the neighborhood, you know, playing games, playing soccer, running around, playing tag. And I think that that kind of gave me a good, um, aerobic foundation or it kind of helped me um, work on my endurance so that um, I could handle running a you know a 650 mile or whatever in sixth grade and so as as I kind of progressed in high school and I started increasing my run distance you know to four or five six miles that's really when I started to see you know improvements in my time start to drop and um, you know I think that as I got into college you know you mentioned the 414 mile you know thinking about that 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 took a good 10 solid years of, of hard work and just um, consistency so you know by the time you get to high school you're training more than just three months a year you know you're probably spending about nine months training um, and then in college it's even more than that you're basically training 11 months of the year you know you're only taking short um, you know one to two week breaks throughout the year and so I think just over time the, the compiled um, training starts to add up yeah what I really find interesting about your story um, some people, I think, like to grab onto the, well, you know, he was the fastest person in gym class. He has natural talent because when you line up a bunch of kids who are, you know, 10 years old and to be one of the fastest, if not the fastest, and, and that's how you start your running career, um, a lot of people want to write that off and say, well, you know what? I was last in the presidential mile. So a 414 mile for me is just not a possibility. So do you think that there are some people maybe who are in your gym class or who are, you know, one of the people who fall in the middle of the pack or the end of the pack naturally who can maybe outwork someone like you or do you think that that gym class where you came in second do you think that was just like your genetic gift or was there anything that separated you I mean I definitely think that genetics played some role you know I know that my dad was fairly athletic and his dad as well so you know there was a long line down the list um of a fairly talented, you know, in, in whatever sport it was, whether it was just being out and about and constantly, you know, enjoying the activity. And I think that's what it boiled down to is, um, you know, li- liking the, the satisfaction you get out of hard work. And so um, putting in the effort, just being out there for one to two hours, playing whatever. And I think that, um, yeah, there are, you know, there are kids that I got to uh, be teammates with in college who I know for a fact weren't as talented as me. Um, they really had to work harder to run like similar times. They were running probably a lot higher mileage or mm-hmm. just like pushing the pace more frequently. Um, whereas I could get away with running maybe like half the mileage or, you know, a pretty, a pretty um, smaller chunk. So I, you know, that's where I started to discover that, um, you know, hard work could really help kind of level the playing field if you're willing to like rise up to that level. Yeah, that's really interesting talking about the different mileage that some of the people you needed to, or some of the people on your team who needed to compete at a high level, they needed to run more mileage than you. Um, And sometimes people would say that, you know, that alludes to like you having more natural talent than this other person. Um, And it's, it's hard to really say, right? But I know sometimes people will look at, you know, the super competitive runners out there who are running, you know, Olympic trials qualifying times, 
or the people who are winning marathons and they'll say, you know, I don't look like them or I'm not built like them. Um, or, you know, when you look at a lot of like the Kenyan runners, um, I know that might sound stereotypical, but they are really fast. So why do you think it is that there are certain populations or like a certain look to what makes um, like a fast runner? Or do you think that that's a result of them running so much? Yeah, I mean, for to get to that high of a level, most of them started, you know, when they were pretty young, right? So um, they probably did discover that they, um, you know, had endurance or were at least fast in a short distance race. And so I think, yeah, I think genetics played a role there. And then also maybe just, um, their lifestyle. So what they were exposed to as kids, you know, I know a lot of those, a lot of the African kids, they grew up in the villages where they're, that's just kind of a norm is like, they, that's a form of exercise where they run from like one area to the next. And so I think that it's all about kind of your environment and mm -hmm. who's around you. And, and, you know, we see it every year with high schools programs that are well more established than a lot of like rural, smaller areas where, you know, there might, they might be scrambling to even find someone to coach the team. And most kids don't even know what what the sport across country is or how far they're running and so um i think a lot of it boils down to yeah the the establishment in in that area yeah i do find that really interesting thinking of you know a lot of the the great kenyan runners or people in in the africa area i do think that that's a pre prevalent sport that they play and it's really something that people pride themselves on and it's like their big sport um same with a lot of soccer right in a lot of parts of the world soccer is very popular um and in america it's not as popular and i've heard this analogy before where people say how come the united states of america has so many great football players right like our sort of football right like touchdowns and that sort of football when the rest of the world they just they could never compete with the nfl and the reason being is that our culture values football so from a very early age boys are thinking oh i want to be a football player they see football they see that it's valued in our culture and so the capitalization on our whole population more people play football and therefore the more people who play football the more chance that you are to be able to select those people who work really hard or to be able to um, have the the special you know genetic gifts and right. pair those things together to reach these really high level football players where in other countries where football is not really a big part of their culture there's not a lot of programs right. and you're not getting a lot of people who reach a high level there's not a lot of competition um, but that's what makes you know the NFL like so great is that we have all of these football programs it's very highly valued in our culture whereas I think distance running you know for example in our culture I mean, at least when I was growing up, it wasn't the thing to do, right? Like you didn't go out for cross country. Um, the super popular kids like didn't do cross country. And I know that's very stereotypical, but I'm just being really realistic here. I mean, you grew up in middle school and high school, college um, as a cross country and track athlete. What was your experience in terms of like what sort of athletes did cross country and track? And do you think out of everyone in your high school or college, if some of the players who were focused on football or focused on, you know, hockey, if they would have been cross country athletes, do you think that maybe your team would have been faster? Do you think that maybe there would be a lot more competition out there if these super athletic guys who are doing other sports that maybe our culture values a little bit more went out for cross country? It's definitely a fun like topic to, to discuss and unpack, right? And you mentioned like soccer, how it's just not as developed here with right. youth programming and all of that because there are so many other sports like football and basketball and hockey even. And so, um, 
Yeah, I definitely think, you know, as I got older, I realized like a lot of the kids in gym class, like, you know, it didn't matter what sport we were playing. A lot of them were, um, you know, maybe, let's say it's ultimate Frisbee where there are, are no like um, actual like established teams, or at least there weren't at the time. Um, you know, the football players, the baseball players, it was basically if you were on a sport, it didn't really matter the sport. You were kind of the ones that were doing doing better in the game. And I think that's where they started to see like, oh, you know, he's a runner, but he can still be really effective at this game. And he brings different strengths, right? So like he can outrun people, he can get open, that sort of thing. And I just think that, uh, yeah, if, if people would have, um, you know, at an early age shown an interest or been put in a yeah. different sport, I definitely think that they could have, um, you know, been, you know, probably grown into something special in terms of um, producing at that, at that sport as well. And so, um, for example, our high school team, yeah, we had a very good basketball, hockey, and football program. And so, yeah, if some of those top athletes like decided to run track or cross country, I know for a fact we could have been, you know, state championship team. So there's an old quote that I remember we used to say is that every high, every large high school in the metro area has a state cross country team, um, um, you know, in the student body. You just gotta, mm. it's a matter of finding the right talent, getting them out, and keeping them out. That's really what it boils down to. Like you'd have to find these kids as, as young age and and get them out running and um, yeah, a lot of times it's obviously not going to happen. You're not going to pull kids out of other sports, but um, definitely fun to think about. And I know I listened to a podcast in the, way back when about like uh, LeBron James, like if he would have pursued a different sport like mm. football, you know, how good could, could he have been? Or Usain Bolt, obviously. So, you know, it is always fun to think about. Like Usain Bolt, I know he a while back was actually talking about um, going out for football and doing like kick returner just because of his speed. And so definitely fun topic. And um I, I think that no matter what you do, if you start at a young age, you're obviously um, setting yourself up for um, success. You're kind of getting ahead of the game, I guess, um, so to speak. But the, the beauty with our sport is that you can get pretty close to your potential. It's just going to take, take you longer, and you have to be super patient over time. Yes, I definitely think this is, conversation is very interesting, thinking about, you know, what if, you know, the greatest in NFL were actually – went out for cross country, right? Or what if the greatest soccer players that our nation had were cross country runners? And like, we're never going to know the answer to that. Um, but then some people maybe listening are thinking, well, it's because they're super talented. But in reality, I do think, yes, there's talent there, but they also have like that work ethic that you right. need. And since the United States has so many different sports opportunities, I mean, we have young kids, so we, we get the pamphlet, right? It's like, you can sign your kid up for everything i mean it's tennis golf soccer mm -hmm. hockey i mean there's just so many options which is great but i think when we look at other countries maybe like we're talking kenya right they are more okay you got soccer and you can run and and, and there's not a lot of opportunities to do things like okay we're gonna go snow snowboarding and, and skiing right. and stuff like that there's just not as many different opportunities so more people are choosing to do sports like running and so I'm thinking in the U.S., you know, if it was really highly valued, we'd see that, hey, actually, a lot of people who maybe don't think that they're talented at running actually do have a lot of talent. Um, and the board would just be so so wide. There'd be so many more people in the sport. And that would um, really open up kind of opportunity to see, you know, what are the potential of, you know, our population as a whole. But a lot of people, you know, they're not into running. But segueing that to... to thinking about natural talent, I think that's something that a lot of people think that they don't have. And I know I kind of dropped it on you saying, you know, you have natural talent, Jason. 
But I'm sure there have been times where you think that you don't have natural talent because when you compare yourself to like the greats, right? People who can break four in the mile, um, people just that you competed against in college, you must have thought, hey, these people are more talented than me. So how is a way that someone knows like if they have natural talent or not? And at what point like are you okay admitting like, hey, I might have some talent in this? Ooh, yeah, really good question. Obviously, you're going to know when you um – you know, put yourself out there and compete or run with other people. And so no matter what sport it is, when you compete against others, um, it's, it's hard to be the best, right? Like there's very few people that can be the best in their game, um, or in their specialties. So I think that, yeah, it's definitely humbling, but you start to realize that, you know, there's always people that are going to be better than you and yeah. they're going to have more talent. And so I think it's, it's, um, something that, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta find out, um, you got to find goals that are meaningful to you that you're not really comparing yourself to others and they can't be really like, Oh, I want to be, um, you know, running this time in this event because this other person achieved it. And I, I know I beat him in a shorter distance. And I, I used to do that all the time. That was my thing where, um, I'd be able to beat people in track in the mile, but come cross country, I, I would, um, kind of think that I could hang with them, but they were so far ahead. And a lot of that boiled down to maybe just, they were put in higher mileage mm-hmm. weeks in the summer and they were a little bit more motivated. Um, and it could have also been, they were a little more talented in terms of just being able to sustain that pace, um, you know, dealing with the threshold, the lactic acid buildup in their legs. And so I think a lot of that boiled down to, um, you know, the work ethic, but also um, the factors like the day-to-day factors. They're, they're just doing things um, that I wasn't, I, I, I didn't even think I was capable of doing really. Yeah, the comparison trap can be so hard because I know you just mentioned, you know, when you're in a race and and someone beats you and, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh, maybe they have a little bit more natural talent than me. That sort of thinking can, I think, be a little toxic for people. Um, Whenever you're going to place a label on yourself, you really want to be careful with what that means, right? So if you're going to say to yourself, like I said, for many years, I said, I don't have any natural talent what does that even mean, right? Like, why are we saying that? And you have to really be conscious of the labels that you put yourself under. So I said for many years, I don't have natural talent in the sport. And it almost handicapped me because what you think is what really happens in reality. So you might not pursue harder workouts. You might not pursue bigger goals because you think, oh, you know, I don't have the talent. I'm not naturally talented. It won't come as easily to me as that person. It's not fair. Poor me. Um, And that sort of mindset is what starts to shift and to set apart people who maybe won't reach their potential and maybe will. So I don't think that label is great. Um, I know we kind of like set you up with the label of, oh, you have natural talent. And even if you say to yourself, hey, I'm naturally talented, I do think that that can also be limiting in ways because maybe you think I don't have to work as hard or maybe you think, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm so naturally talented. Like I'm going to put in half the work or I don't know what sort of negative consequences that it could have, but just being aware of what happens in your mind when you do say things like saying I am talented or I am not talented. I mean, these are things that like your body hears, your mind hears. And when you're in the middle of doing like mile repeats, you don't want to be thinking like, oh, I have no natural talent. I mean, that is not an uplifting thing to think about. Um, So I know that you coach a ton of runners. I mean, you've been coaching for 12 years now, and I'm sure you have coached a lot of people who do not think that they have natural talent. They don't think they can achieve their goals. And that can be just such a huge barrier so how do you talk people or walk people out of that mindset shift of like, oh, you know, I can't do it or, 
oh, I'm not naturally talented. I'll never be able to do it, where they're really down on themselves. And how do you get it so that they can see, hey, you might not like have that natural talent that you that you want to have. It might be a little harder than you thought, but you can put in the work and your potential, even if you don't have this natural talent, is still way higher than what you think it is. Yeah, you know, we all react differently to different like training stimuli. And that's something as a coach you see, like you can see kids that maybe they hardly train at all and then they start running and um, their times just drop like crazy, right? And they, they basically get fit really quick. Um, and then there's other kids that kind of just are at this like kind of middle level pretty much the entire season. And it's a lot harder to get them to kind of drop time. And so I think, yeah, those are the, the kids that you're talking about. Like how do you keep them motivated, engaged um, when they're seeing other kids maybe just improving and running PRs every race. And that is a challenge as a coach, but I think it's more, you just have to be mindful of, of helping them see like, hey, each person is their own unique. It's just like learning anything. It's like learning math. Like you're all gonna pick it up at different rates. Some people might struggle in algebra, but they might do better in geometry. Um, same with running, like everyone's kind of got their own strength. Um, you're all out here doing it. Um, it's more about your own individual journey and setting goals that are, um, you know, gonna get you excited and attainable for you because an attainable goal for you might look a lot different than it does for this other person um, in terms of like dropping time. You can't just expect each person to drop a minute off their time. You know, it might look a lot different depending on all the factors, um, including their, you know, experience and their, their current training. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, you kind of reminded me of like people not knowing the label of like labeling mm -hmm. people talent, right? Or like saying they have talent. Um, my brother is an example of someone who um, probably could have been as good of a runner as I was because he he did run at a young age and he, he ran a pretty fast time. You know, he, he broke five minutes in the mile in high school and that sort of thing. Um, and now as an adult, he doesn't really run much, but I'm sure there's people out there that really never got into running right. and they're probably... Um, you know, they look at people who do run and they're just, they probably think like, oh, that person has more talent than me. But mm -hmm. really it's about, it's not about that. It, it could just be like, they just never really got into the sport, right? And so um, that he's a perfect example. And obviously he's a lot taller than me and he's got probably 50 pounds on me, but it's just one of those things like, you make that assumption, but people just really don't yes. know how good they could have been, right? No, I love that because for the longest time, I used to think I have no natural talent. I would label myself that. I said, you know, I can't do this. Um, I started wanting to run when I was like 16, 17 years old because I, we would have to run two laps in gym class um, in order to, you know, do our warm up for gym. And it was extremely embarrassing because I would come in last place. I had to like run walk. I was wheezing and I would see like these other girls or, or the, you know, the track cross country girls they would like lap me in a you know a two two lap I don't even know how but I was just clearly not um a good runner right in my in my opinion and I really wanted to work on that but I was handicapped by the fact that I kept telling myself you know you don't have this natural talent you know you're not like so and so on the cross country team and and you just you have these labels in your head and it's it's just like limiting beliefs and so you really have to change your mindset and your beliefs about yourself and about what your abilities are because I didn't know you know if, if you were to go back it's like you don't know what someone's upbringing is like like you don't know maybe that girl you know started running when she was three years old with her mom outside and maybe they had a really active childhood um, maybe people and their family run like you don't know um, all I knew is my background like no one in my family ran right like I never participated in any sort of sports whatsoever and so it's hard to say oh she doesn't have any natural talent when in reality it's like 
okay, she just had, you know, maybe more privilege in that area of having a running background. Um, But what I do find really interesting about this is later, you know, later in life, it's like I started running more and then I kind of got over that limiting belief and I started allowing, you know, that abundance mindset of like what is possible for me and really pushing the limits. And I got to a point where I probably was faster than every girl who was, you know, lapping me in the gym class in my late 20s. Um, And even now, like as a mom of two, it's like I, I am so much faster than I ever thought was physically possible for me. But if I would have stayed in that mindset of, you know, you're not naturally talented, I would have never been able to find that out. And so we really have to be careful with labeling ourselves as like, oh, you know, I'm not naturally talented like Jason or I'm not naturally talented like so and so. Or even people look at me now and they're like, oh, you know, naturally talented. I have people that follow me on Instagram and they're like, wait you haven't been a runner your whole life and it's like such a shock and I'm like no I used to be a smoker like I used to smoke cigarettes that's what I did in high school right like I wasn't an athlete um and I didn't really become an athletic person or get into running until after college right when I had a desk job when I wanted to make um healthier changes that's when I really got into running um but you would never know what your potential is if you're constantly labeling yourself as not talented so i think stripping yourself of that label and realizing that just being a human if you're an able-bodied human right like um if you have legs that work and and all of those things you have a lot more potential than i think you're giving yourself credit for and what i think you and i have discovered is even with you know your mile time that you ran and even with you know the 20 marathons i've done and i've ran like a 313 i i understand that my natural ability has only been like scratched the surface right like if i really wanted to like get faster and and reach like my full potential it would just require more sacrifices on my part and so a lot of people will say to me oh you know like I, i it's physically not possible like people in their 20s will be like it's physically not possible for me to run faster than 10 minute pace and it's like well i understand that maybe is the case now but like hey if you really dedicated and if you were willing to like do all of the little things that is not your set point and that is not like what your limit is as an athlete right Wow, you, you said a lot of good things there. I had a lot of thoughts um, kind of pop into my mind. But, um, yeah, those, you know, the people that kind of grew up, maybe they played football or whatever in high school, they're the people that say, well, it's because I didn't run back then, so I'm, I have no talent in that. But really it's like how do you know? If you would have been doing that as a kid, mm-hmm. you might have been good. Or um, who's to say if you don't start now, and like you said, if you're willing to put in work and sacrifice, you can see yourself get to a certain level. And I bet if you were to, you know, look at, um, you know, pull the the participants at a certain marathon like a large marathon I bet you like 99% of them did not run in high school (laughs) right so I think that yeah then that's a marathon so most adults pick or most people pick it up later in life for various reasons but um I like that word that you use was sacrifice because that is really Mm. what is going to uh, be the pinnacle of like or the determining factor of whether or not you um you know, reach your potential as an athlete. Like how much are you willing to sacrifice consistently? It's not just about like, oh, I'm going to train for this marathon Mm -hmm. and take a bunch of time off and then do it again next year. Like, no, it's pretty much a lifestyle and you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to kind of put in the work and to um, train the different, you know, systems over time. 
Right. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. And and like you said, consistently training. And so that means consistently getting uncomfortable. And what I do think a lot of the times athletes will do, it's like, it's really exciting in the first couple of years that you get into running, right? Like you see improvements and it's not that hard to see improvements and you're constantly seeing times get faster and faster. And then most athletes will kind of reach this point where it's like, oh, like not every race is a PR or like, oh my gosh, I, I don't feel like I'm making progress anymore. And so then they'll say, oh, you know, I reached my limit, you know, I peaked and, and I hit several of those along the way. And it's like, okay, well you can either stay stuck in that place or you can say, okay, what are the things that I know I need to do? You know, a lot of people don't want to look at the thing that they need to do. It's scary. Like I, it's hard. Even right now, it's like, I know what I would need to do to like reach the next level. And it's like, I don't know if like I'm willing to make that sacrifice. And so you have to ask yourself, like, is it worth the sacrifice? And for some people, you know, it might be running a few more days a week. It might be actually keeping your easy days easy. I don't know what level people are at. I don't know what that one thing is that you're not willing to, to do or you just are so comfortable in where you're at. It's really uncomfortable to make changes consistently because you get into this routine and this habit of, okay, this is what my run schedule looks like. This is what I do. I, I, you know, I don't do this. I don't do that. And you like start creating these rules for yourself and you get really comfortable. Um, but what happens when you're comfortable is that you start to stagnate and that's great if you know, you're happy with that. But if you're trying to reach that next level and you're wondering like, why can I not break through? Oh, I've peaked. And you're saying that, but you're, you're running, you know, 10 minute pace for 5k. It's like, is that your peak or is that what you're like willing to do with your training? Right? So you really want to like ask yourself, what could I be doing to reach that next level? And it's not really fair that I'm like throwing out 10 minute pace for 5k, uh, even for myself. Like I could say, Hey, you know what? I haven't ran a 5k PR in, in a while. Like what would I need to do to get back to running like 1835 K, right? Like what would I need to do to be able to do that? And, it, and really being really like honest with yourself. I mean, there's certain things that like, I am just, it's hard to like say, I need to, Hey, I would need to go to the track. I would need to like do all these little workouts. Um, and in reality, it's like, I, I like to do other, <laughs> other workouts. And so it's all about making that sacrifice and figuring out how you're going to be able to really reach your potential while you make those sacrifices. Yeah. You know, do you think that some athletes, um, the reason they don't really reach their potential or see breakthroughs is they're focused on this, like, um, this goal that's really just like so far from where they're at. And so they maybe just, um, they don't understand like all the little things that go into it or they yeah. kind of lose interest. They give up. Cause what, what I'm thinking of here is like back when you ran your first marathon, um, you know, you, I knew that eventually someday you would run a BQ, but you acted like it was so <laughs> far from like you, you didn't think you could do it. And so I think that almost served you better because you weren't focused on this like right. extremely high goal that's just so lofty above your head. And you were just able to kind of like focus on, okay, I just want to break like four hours, which would be the next kind of stepping stone. And so, you know, and then all the little things that go into that, right. maybe you weren't even focused on the time. Maybe it was more yeah. just about like the weekly mileage and the effort and all that. Yeah. Setting those small benchmarks can be really valuable for people. I mean, I know I've benefited from it. You probably have too. Where it's like, okay, you know, big lofty goal, you know, maybe it was always something a little out of reach. Maybe for someone listening, you're like a 430 marathoner and like your goals are on a 330 marathon. And that might seem really far away from where you're at now. But looking at like the small benchmarks to get there, how can I get to a place where it wouldn't seem so out of reach, right? So maybe 
you know, maybe that's working on your 5K. Maybe that's getting confident and being able to run a mile under, you know, seven minute pace or something like that. Maybe you're going to focus on speed first, but building that confidence and building momentum Mm -hmm. towards that bigger goal can be huge. Um, because when you have something that seems so far away, it's, it's great to have that as like this North star, but it's really important to focus on the here and now. Right. Right. I mean, the same thing can be said for when I built my business. It's like, I had like this vision of like hiring coaches and like having employees and stuff. But like when I first started, I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to write a training plan. Like I didn't even know how to write the training plan. Right. So you have to focus on what's in front of you. Even if your goal is to one day, like you know, do this amazing thing. It's like, what can you do today that's going to get you to that goal? And let's set small benchmarks, right? So in running, that might look like, okay, you're a 30 minute 5k or now you want to qualify for Boston in the future. Okay, well, let's focus on getting some speed down. Let's focus on a small goal, right? So instead of 30 minutes, let's aim for like a sub 29. And then when you get there, it's like, let's, let's focus on your one mile. Let's try to run in the eight minute pace for a one mile. Um, and you just keep going from there and whatever it is that you need to do to reach that next level. So from going from a 30 minute 5k to 29 minute 5k, maybe you're running a little bit more, right? Maybe you add in one extra day of running per week. Maybe you're adding in strength training. Maybe you're cleaning up um, your diet a little bit and you're focusing on nutrition. Uh, maybe you're just not going to a bunch of orange theory classes that weren't really, you know, targeted specifically towards your running goals. So you really have to evaluate everything you're doing within a day, within a month and say, what am I doing that's serving me and working towards this goal? And what am I doing that, you know, maybe is holding me back from reaching my potential. So there was a lot of that going on. And and when I was first starting my running, I, I was kind of like all over the place, right? So I would go to these like boot camp classes every Saturday because I just loved them. Right. And I was like, no, they're making me really fit. Like I, I sweat a lot and people there are really fit and I like the way it makes me feel. Um, and then it would maybe run like two miles before or after that class. And then I would be like, well, it's just not fair because I'm not, you know, reaching my potential. And it's like, well, I was spending my whole weekend taking like a boot camp class and running two miles when I could have focused my weekend revolving around like a running workout um, and then maybe adding in strength later. But it's like my focus was a little skewed. And even though it seemed like, hey, a great idea to like go to this boot camp class, it's like you really have to be specific with your training. And so if running is your main focus and your main priority, you want to make sure that running is kind of coming at the forefront of your schedule, right? I know we have a lot of people that like to take the Orange Theory classes or like to do a lot of cross training and that can be great, but you also want to evaluate, hey, maybe like could my time be used in a different way or does it need to be in order to reach that next level? So for me, I believe when I took that class kind of like out of my my routine and and did a run in that in its place was probably right around when I was like a one like a 148 half marathoner Um, and within a year of kind of taking that class out focusing on running first and then doing like strength later as like a supplementing activity uh, within two years I was in like the one like 35-ish range for half marathon so it really does make a difference what you're focusing on um, even though it may not seem like it's that big of a deal, the little things do actually add up to be really big things. Yeah. I remember to go I remember going with you to one of those and I think I was sore for f- four or five days after that. So it totally set my running back for that week. But, um, yeah, I think the, the key takeaways here for me are just setting those realistic, um, benchmarks. I think that's huge. 
Um, and if you're a runner that struggles maybe with just like motivation, like getting out the door and being consistent, you know, figuring out like what's going to motivate you to just get the runs in and get the miles in. Because, you know, as we know, about 80% of the training is pretty, pretty redundant miles and it's, it's, um, you know, it can get quite boring. And so you got to mix things up. You got to go into trails or run with a friend or, um, you know, I, I don't know, whatever you can do to, to get through it, listen to a podcast, run on a treadmill, watch TV while you're doing it. Um, and then really, if you're someone who's just kind of been, you're, you, running is your outlet, you really enjoy it, you have no problem getting out and doing it, then I think for you, the focus just needs to be on the, the little things and like, um, you know, the, the training stressors within your training and really focusing on like, uh, keeping the easy days easy and, um, you know, hitting your paces on those hard days and just growing. Right. Always growing, always looking for what is the thing that I can do and being really like humble about that. Right. So when you look at yourself and your training, you say, what are the things that I'm doing that are, you know, maybe holding me back? Um, that can be a really hard thing. A lot of people never want to admit that they're wrong or that they, you know, maybe have a weakness that they need to work on. Taking extreme ownership over your life is, is, you know, hard to do. So really looking yourself in the mirror, like, uh, and saying, hey, uh, what am I doing that's not serving me, right? So my last marathon training cycle, just some examples I could throw out there. Maybe it's like, okay, I drank like a little bit, a lot, right? Before like long runs, right? And so is cutting out alcohol something that you need to do to, to be a runner? No, but like in order to reach my my next goal, it would be like, okay, I need to focus on nutrition a little bit more. I need to be a little bit more cognizant of like what I'm putting in my body before I go do these hard workouts um, because I know it does – it prevents you from having a good night's sleep, deep sleep. It prevents you from recovering to your full potential, all of these sort of things, um, where it doesn't make a huge difference. It's like, no, but it makes a little difference. And then thinking about what are some of the other things that you could be doing, right? So maybe that's stretching, doing yoga. Maybe that's getting up every few hours to walk around so that you're not getting super stiff sitting at your chair. There are just like so many small things that really add up and I know they kind of sound like petty and like it wouldn't make a huge difference but they do and I think what you'll find with athletes really do reach the more higher levels of their potential they have to make more and more sacrifices and so a lot of times people will write it off as oh they're just naturally talented but they're really working um, in extreme ways like all the time to have their lifestyle kind of revolve around um, their training. And I know when we hired coach Megan, who's an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon, she's a 244 marathoner. One thing that really stuck out to me about her when I hired her, she was not an Olympic trials qualifier at the time. She had been attempting to qualify for the Olympic trials for a decade. So literally 10 years of attempting she had so many dnfs she had so many times where she fell short and being on the phone listening to her i was like you know in my mind i'm like wow that you know you kind of failed to reach that goal a lot but that's just how i view it like if i were to go and do that i would it would be really hard on my ego and my confidence right. to experience not hitting your goal that many times like it would break me right so her on the phone, she's like, no, I'm going to do it. Like, and then I'll probably run right. in the 230s. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, you're confident. I'm like, you have like this mindset that like I just don't even have. And so I'm like, that is, that's like so valuable, right? And so yep. I just thought, okay, she believes in this like more than even like anyone probably does. And that's what you need to do to really reach your potential in this sport is you have to believe in it more than anyone else. And and you really need to truly, like, in your body, believe that it's possible. 
And so, like, what was it? Not even a year after I hired her, she she did it. You know, she qualified yeah. for Boston. And it's crazy because it's like she did believe she could do it. And she even came back from an injury. And I think she was only, yeah, you know, back was... from that injury for, like, eight months or something crazy when she did that BQ. And it's like you just really don't know what you're capable of until you give yourself the benefit of the doubt, until you chase after your dreams like hey like it's actually possible because if she were to just be like oh you know i can't do it and give up like and she were to like go into her training cycle kind of half assing things um then she's never gonna know right and so that's what she did she had that open mind she had that open concept and from my coaching experience i mean this is part of why i hired her because i was like okay i know that that is really hard to find someone who is like that determined and like believes in themselves that much i mean that's huge um, a lot of the athletes that I coach who have reached the higher level or who have taken, you know, two hours off their marathon time or whatever, they all kind of have that where they believe they can do it in this weird, no doubt about it way. And they just totally are all in. Whereas I think some of the people who maybe struggle to reach that next level, they have that doubt. And right. I'm someone who struggled with that a lot. So definitely not seeing um, you know, you're alone in that, but mm. working on that mindset, sh- mindset shift can change everything. Yeah. Megan's story is definitely remarkable. And, you know, it just, it serves as a good reminder that even like the higher level athletes um, have failed so many oh, yeah. times, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, if you look at the, the guys that are <laughs> trying to break the four minute mile barrier, I guarantee you they've ran between four minutes and four oh five, a handful of times. And, you know, I know I was that way when I was like in high school trying to break five, I ran five Oh one, I ran between 501 and 505 like six times. And so it just like, and then finally I did it and I smashed it. But it's like um, those, and when you finally do have that kind of breakthrough, I think that is what kind of drives you and gives you that confidence. And so if you're an athlete that maybe you just haven't reached that experience yet, um, just kind of hang in there because it is coming for you. And I think it's easier once you um, do reach that. Um, But that's probably why those athletes are so um, resilient, right? And they have so much grit is because they just, they learn it at a young age. Like if you just kind of keep plugging, plugging away and putting in the work, like you'll finally reach that benchmark that you were striving for. Yes. And the confidence is huge there, right? So the people who fail to break four so many times and they finally have that breakthrough, it's like they just believe that they could do it and they didn't give up. And I thought it was really funny before the Olympic trials qualifying race, um, Galen Rupp was running like the 10K, right? And they interviewed him. And I was like, I wonder what he has to say. And he's like, I'm here to win. And I was like, whoa, that's like a really bold statement. But it's like, that's how you have to go into things. I mean, he's an Olympian. Um, He's a great runner. But I think going into that race, you know, he wasn't expected to win or anything like that. He wasn't like seated top three or anything. But he had this mindset of like, I'm going in to win. Um, And he didn't win. Like he got, what did he get, like sixth place? (laughs) Yeah, I don't recall. But I know that, you know, obviously he's training for the marathon and that's his number one focus. And he'll admit that. But and he's not as young as he used to be. He doesn't right. have the speed. Granted, he did used to be a very good 10K runner, and he's got right. a silver at the Olympics. Um, but, yeah, he showed up to that race with that mindset because oh, yeah. you just never know how a race might play right. out. Like, um, if it would have went out kind of slow and, you know, his his uh, he's, he finds himself right up there with a few laps to go or whatever, or he breaks it away with a mile to go, you just you don't know how everyone's going to respond. And so that was really interesting, but serves as a good example, too, of mm-hmm. just that mindset and that confidence. Right, like never bet against yourself because if he would have gone into the race being like, oh, you know, why am I even here? Like, I'm not going to hit my time goal and I'm not going to, you know, get to the Olympics. I shouldn't even race. And another thing that's really interesting is like 
a lot of those races that were longer, like 5K, 10K, all the runners knew that they weren't, you know, going to make it to the Olympics. So it's like, why did they keep running? It's like you really right. have to believe and like have a reason for doing it and, and have that athlete mindset. And that can really be the thing that, you know, sets you apart and helps you reach that next level. And I just think when we're encompassing like what this podcast is all about, like what sets apart a breakthrough athlete it's really the mindset, right? It's really that belief that your work, what the work that you're going to put in is going to lead to, you know, what right. you want to achieve. And so a lot of people will hold themselves back because they'll be like, well, you know, even if I put in the work, I'm not going to hit my goal or, you know, oh, you know, it's just too much work to hit my goal. But we really need to like shift away from that sort of mindset and thinking more of like, if I put in the work, it's going to pay off and I just need to stay focused and do the things to get me to that end result and having that confidence is huge. Yeah. And just going back to Galen Rupp, like that example of, um, you know, when you're fading away and you knew you weren't going to qualify or whatever right. in the 10K, like you're still, you're still uh, working on like your mental toughness and who knows how that's going to impact him going into the marathon at the Olympics. Like just having that experience of having to just grit it out and stay as tough as he could. Um, I think that can that can definitely benefit him as well. So, um, right. yeah, don't look at um, a bad race as just like a, a failed attempt. Just think of it differently as just uh, more you're gaining more experience, right? And so that can help carry you um, carry you in the next one. Right, definitely. And I think for some people, it's like you go and you're doing these races and you have this goal that you want to achieve in the race. And sometimes if you're not on track for that goal, you can start this negative downward spiral or maybe even during a training cycle, like you realize like, Hey, you know, my fitness isn't quite where I thought it was going to be, you know, when you're three months out from the race and you just start to get really discouraged and you start to like question like, why am I doing this? And, and all of those things, but it's really important to remember that, all of the things add up and you're always working towards something. And so don't lose sight of that big picture goal and don't let your mind talk you out of things um, or play that comparison game. Um, it's really important to like have a strong mind and to remember that your efforts are working in the direction of something and you can't always put a timeline on um, your fitness, right? So there might just be a longer wait to achieve that, you know, pinnacle of success for you, but you have to be willing to kind of wait it out and to play that game of, okay, I'm going to put in the work and I know that one day it's going to pay off, even if it's not right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, you know, stuff about the mindset, obviously. And then it boils down to like putting in the work, right? So sometimes people are, are just not willing to um, make the sacrifices needed to like put in the work, right? And so I think it's really important to recognize like how much work am I doing? Am I doing the correct work? And then evaluating, you know, is my work working? Um, so if you're someone who's been working really hard for several years and you just don't really feel like you are making a change in your fitness or you're not seeing like the gains that you want to see, a lot of that could just be like incorrect training or not putting yourself into a situation where you're um, being exposed to new stimuli. So if you're not actually creating a stimulus within your body to spark change, so maybe you're not doing the right type of workouts or you're just not um, increasing your mileage a little bit, maybe you need to make some tweaks here and there, 
um, in order for your body to say, whoa, hey, what is she doing? And to create that response to the stress so that you can get faster, that could be the culprit, right? And a lot of people just go through their running career thinking that they've peaked and they've reached their potential when in reality, it's like you just got really comfortable doing um, like the same old workouts, the same old routine over and over again. And so it's really important to have that evaluation piece and see, okay, looking at my training, what can I do? And sometimes that can be really hard to do on an individual level and you need someone to almost like call you out on it or to help you stay accountable to that. Um, There's just so many workouts that I will repetitively go back to and say, I like doing this workout, but when I ask someone to write the plan for me or if I hire a coach or ask someone on our Run for PRs team to to write me a plan, they'll say, hey, do these workouts. And they're workouts that I wouldn't necessarily (laughs) prescribe for myself because I don't like those type of workouts and they're not my favorite. But they're the workouts that a coach sees that I need to be doing in order to reach my goals. And so that can be a huge breakthrough. And having that outside perspective can be a huge game changer because you're having someone in your court holding you accountable to what you say your goals are and that can be something that leads to a breakthrough so you might believe in yourself but belief is only going to take you so far right you have to do the physical work to reach that next level so at run for prs we are an online coaching company so we coach people from all over the world um, and we love to get to know athletes and help you reach that next level and reach your potential whether that's you know coming back from an injury and staying healthy or setting a new pr We are here to like guide and support you and be there every step of the way along our journey. And we do everything in our online app in Training Peaks and we do personalized training. So you fill out an athlete intake form and we get to know a little bit about your background and your goals. And then we develop a plan specific to you to meet your needs and to really work on your weaknesses to make them your strengths and to reach that next level with your training. And I know online coaching can be kind of a new concept for some people. And you might say, oh, I just kind of want to try this out before I actually, you know, commit to having a coach. Well, we do a free seven day trial. So if that's something that you're interested in, we can write you up a week of workouts um, for free, right? Just to see if you like it, to try some of these workout ideas that we have and then we can go from there. So if you're interested in that, you can fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.com, and we can get started on a free seven-day trial. So again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.